Today on The Topic Show, new pink Stanley thermos sells out immediately as women go in droves to the stores. Vivek roasts the Washington Post's report for asking what he calls to be the stupidest question ever. Disney loses their top spot as movie makers since first time since 2015. Xerox to lay off approximately 15% of their workforce. Ford to copy Toyota with a hybrid roadmap. U.S. debt passed $34 trillion for the first time in history. And Apple to sell an iTunes gift card scam. All of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of January. So if you click that button, I greatly appreciate it. Now going over to the business part of the podcast here, Xerox cutting approximately 15% of their workforce, which translates to about 3,000 jobs, causing their stock to precipitously drop by about 12.15%. Now this story was first broken by Shannon Thaler over on the New York Post. And they note that is part, or Xerox claims is part of their so-called quote-unquote reinvented, reinvented, Again, I'm not a doctor. However, if you click subscribe, it may help with my speaking ineptitudes. Xerox claims as part of their reinvention strategy. And granted, on the website, they have about approximately 20,000 employees. So this correlation is, again, 3,000 places that will be laid off. They claim that is part of a much larger restructuring that will be, as a company is trying to adopt a new business model and organizational structure aimed at boosting its core print business, which I don't want to say it's an outdated business model, but we've seen this number of printer manufacturers has been, I would say, decreasing overall. Xerox is still one of the best in terms of the marketplace, the partner support, the infrastructure, especially for supporting business accounts. That's really where they thrive. Truth be told, I don't know a single individual who owns a printer that is a Xerox. Let me know in the comments. Have you ever seen a Xerox printer at a house? I mean, truth be told, most people I know have either Brother or Hewlett Packard, who they especially seem to thrive in the consumer market. Now, that being said, of course, one of the largest markets is business-to-business -business transactions. Now, it looks like in terms of the company's shakeup, they will also form a new business unit and execute an executive shuffle that will, quote, see the president and chief operating officer, John Bruno, leading the enterprise alignment of the company's print, digital services, and tech services business, and Louis Pastor, Xerox Chief Transformation Officer will oversee the new global business services organization that, according to CBS, they also know that the company's long-time in-house counsel, Flora Cullen, will be promoted to Chief Legal Officer. It looks like the stock went down all the way down to about sixteen dollars and twenty-six cents per share, which begs the question: I wonder what the long-term trend is for their stock. So again, pulling up their stock. Uh, let's go to the max. Let's just say, in terms of business acumen and strategy, they don't have the best roadmap. A lot of people will consistently make fun of them forever for giving Steve Jobs a lot of the infrastructure and ideas around the personal computer for basically very, very little. Yeah, it was one of those instances where Xerox created revolutionary technology. They're using it internally, but they never really capitalized on it. And of course, now Apple is... I believe it's 2022. A couple years ago, they were the most profitable company on the planet, 
more profitable than oil companies, energy companies, I mean, pharmaceutical companies, defense companies. Apple was on top. I think they're literally dethroned by starting out Armco. Um, but still, multi-trillion dollar business to this day. Now, again, looking at the max of the stock for Xerox, they're down negative 25.78%. In the past five-year trend, they're down 19.32%. past one year, they're actually up by a little bit, 6.59%. Year to date, doesn't mean much because, again, it's been a week. But that's more closer to the 10 to 12% that we've seen in terms of the news. So they certainly have a lot left to be desired when it comes to actually increasing the value of the company. And they talk a little bit about how they were able to turn a profit in recent years, including 2022. They, gener they did generate a profit of $7.1 billion. And 2021, they raked in $7.06 billion, slightly more than the $7.02 billion they made in 2020 when they actually abandoned their attempted $35 billion attempt to have a hostile takeover over Hewlett Packard Inc. Which again, HPE and HP are two separately publicly traded companies. Hewlett Packard used to be one company. They never really integrated when they bought Compaq. So Hewlett Packard Enterprise is the stuff that most businesses buy. It's the backend infrastructure. You got the servers, you got the storage, you got the networking. And HP Inc. is appropriately named Inc. because they make the printers, the laptops, and a lot of the peripherals that we see. And I believe they bought out HyperX, which is a, most people call it a gaming microphone, a few years back as well. So it'll be interesting to see, again, it's a uh, pretty competitive market, especially for printers. Because uh, there, there are a couple. I mean, the main ones are going to be, you know, Hewlett Packard, Brother, Lexmark is another big one for enterprise accounts. I mean, so it'll be interesting to see how much they can continue to grow and increase the profits. I suspect they'll be pushing more managed services, building out their partner community. But again, perhaps this really isn't that bad of news in terms of, we've seen a lot of these companies that are just really bloated with a lot of fat. And I think Elon really started the trend of just ripping away the Band-Aid or sucking the fat out. Some funny metaphor should be put there instead. I'm showing how much more lean a company can be and achieve the same if not better results so we see more and more it companies especially the large companies doing that past 12 24 months as we have unprecedented economic uncertainty so it'll be interesting to see does the rx continue their growth rate could they ever overtake the others in the market and let me know in the comments when was the last time you actually used a xerox device i mean truth be told well granted i'm a little bit unusual i used to work at hewlett packard enterprise so it's they're kind of like cousins not legally related but all of our infrastructure for inside sales was Hewlett Packard stuff. So the all-in-one, you know, scan, print, copy machines, they were all HP. So my anecdotal experience doesn't really add much value in terms of my interaction with the physical devices from Xerox. But the question here, have you ever used a Xerox? And do you think they're better than the competition? And will they grow? Be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Other interesting business use, you have Ford to copy Toyota's path to EVs from EVs rather to going to hybrids. They're copying the path that pun is moderately intended. Now this comes to us thanks to Electrek and a couple months ago, every company in the planet was pushing EVs. And don't get me wrong, there are still many, though the startup EV community, they're going out of business left and right, like Lordstown Motors and Lucid and Rivian have both had to raise billions of dollars in additional funding because they're running out of cash. But nevertheless, there's still a lot of EV companies out there. Now, a lot of these companies decided to go all in. I mean, General Motors, under Mary Barr's leadership, they still think it's a good idea to have Cadillac be full EV by 2030. 
and full GM fleet, which includes Chevrolet, Cadillac, GMC, as well as Buick, full EV by 2035. That's their business model and idea. Will they succeed? Time, time shall tell. No topic for another time, perhaps. But in terms of what the consumers want, no, that's not what they want. Granted, unfortunately, we have so much government regulation that kind of pushes these companies to do different things. But nevertheless, when it comes to the consumer adoption rate, EVs are dropping precipitously. People are buying them, but the rate is decreasing. And the category that more Americans are starting to research and starting to be open to buying is the hybrid technologies. And again, Toyota, one of the most successful automobile companies in history, they're the ones that make vehicles that last a million miles or a quarter of a century or longer. They're very good at long-term planning. And when everyone was going full EV, they decided to invest, I believe it's 8.2, several billion dollars into technologies that were specific for hybrid technologies. And truth be told, they read the room right. That's where the market is going currently in terms of the biggest adoption rate that people are interested in. And it looks like Ford is putting the brake on their EV for a little while. They had many production errors or issues with the Ford F-150 Lightning last year where they had batteries exploding. That's not great. And as well as running out of battery in the middle of nowhere. So they had many issues in 2023. And it sounds like they actually were trying to build three EV battery plants in the United States. And then Ford's, they're kind of a, they decreased that production output by about 40%. So they're going to build the plants, but not to the original output that they originally scaled for. So they're scaling back in many ways. Now, again, getting back to the article, this comes to us thanks to Peter Johnson over at Electrek, which, I was going to say, pretty A-plus for marketing. You know exactly what the website's about. Now, they note that Ford specifically, they did hit a new record. They sold 8,958 electric vehicles sold in November. The automaker is all the, still scaling back. They claim that the, they sold more F-150 Lightning models last month, 4,393, than did in the entire third quarter, which they only sold 3,503. Granted, that's, again, not that overly impressive because they had the production issues where they actually had to stop production period for several weeks. Now, despite this, Ford CEO Jim Farley explained on the company's Q3 earnings call that he's, quote, so thankful that we've kept our foot on the has to freshen our ice and HEV products as we enter a changing market. Farley added that Ford Blue, aka the part of Ford that makes money, that's the part that has the good old things you and I know and love, like the Ford Mustang, which thankfully still comes with three pedals and manual transmission, as every vehicle should by default. But you have the Ford Mustang, you have the F-150 pickup, you have all the internal combustion engine vehicles. So right now, again, EV companies lose money for quite some time. Eventually you, meet, you get that breaking point, ideally, then you make money. Now, Ford CEO Jim Farley said, quote, their EV business, or sorry, their ICE business, will quote, will be strong and a growing business for years to come, unquote. Then Ford, quote, remains, quote, bullish on Model E and our EV future. The market, however, is a moving target. So Ford recently scaled back several ET initiatives. The company's CFO, John Lawler, audited that, C that Ford is, quote, slowing down several investments, unquote, including a $12 billion in EV spending. So talk about putting the brakes, and they are not regenerative brakes. Pun moderately intended. Now, Lawler reiterated that stance last month at the 2023 Barclays Global Automotive and Mobility Conference. He said the company, quote, is not changing its strategy, but rather changing the pace and flow of capital and capacity put in place. So, as, a, as almost like a politician, we're not changing our strategy, we're just putting money towards different things and making different products but we're not changing so it sounds like they want the best of both, wor both worlds they want to have the 
marketing allure of an EV company, which some people do really highly respect and appreciate. I don't think they could calculate an ROI though, how unfortunately, or the you know environmental impact of the you know, lithium mines. But nevertheless, a lot of people do appreciate the technologies. And then they also want to you know, make a profit and also reinvest in things that do make them money. Now, they also continue to say this includes cutting back on plant production at the Marshall plant by about half, reducing the inverter and motor capacity and pulling back on vertical integration plans. Ford's financial leader said that the company will lean into hybrids as a quote-unquote bridge to EVs, which again, that mirrors exactly what Toyota is doing. So it'll be interesting to see if they're actually able to make a profit on the EV division in 2024. Again, the losses are in the billions, but in the aggregate, you could spread that out and eventually you'll make a profit in theory. Let me know, do you think for, I mean, the government mandates are forcing them to do a lot of this, of course, but I wonder, will Ford be able to make it to become an EV company, even if it's not what the people want? Let me know, would you ever buy a Ford, an F-150 Lightning? So you're getting a truck that can't tow, but it is electric. And articles say you could charge your house with it. Now, I don't know how you're gonna charge the truck if you deplete that. Especially because in California they actually ban they're banning gasoline power generators and they can't power their own grid. But nevertheless, fascinating to purchase, I suppose. Let me know, be fascinating here, what you have to say. Now going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Stanley Cups sell out near immediately as ladies go to the stores in droves to buy the new pink design. Which, granted, there are certain things in life that as a man you just do, such as suiting up. Every man always looks better in a suit. Also, don't buy a product in pink. Now, in terms of the legacy of what Stanley used to be, I'll bring out the OG. This is the old Stanley thermos that, truth be told, my grandpa used to use back in the day when he was working at an aluminum foundry plant in Michigan, one of the hottest, most miserable existence, working seven days a week throughout the year. And he never complained once, another issue with the youth today. But nevertheless, it's an instance where this product Brilliant. It's a good old hammer tone paint scheme. And truth be told, the parent company is Aladdin. That's why actually, if you look closely, it says Aladdin Stanley. But it's good old man in the USA. It's, I mean, it's darn near bulletproof. These things will never die. But for some women, they just didn't appeal to this. They didn't like that design. Now, they still have this hammer tone type finish, unfortunately, in terms of supporting the US economy and, you know, manufacturing. Again, I partially blame politicians for, and the EPA for killing so many businesses. But they have shifted dramatically to overseas manufacturing. So if you see like the new Stanley Cups and well, not the sports balls event, but the actual thermoses, they are manufactured in China as many things are these days. Now, again, they thought, well, we're not really selling a lot of these. We're gonna use a couple of interesting mechanisms. We're gonna make it pink, which is hilarious that some people think it's sexist. And I've, I was about to say, I have a, a feminist friend. I thought I did. I've read feminists who actually hate the fact that there are pink products. And I can't help but laugh when those products sell in droves because again you're not going to capture 100 i'm not saying everyone on the planet wants a pink product but there are certain preferences that are out there and the market rewards the companies that provide those solutions that's why you see these little dainty little pink toolkits those little tool packages are going to probably be used once or twice but visually more appealing to different people with different color schemes and truth be told probably highly profitable now this new trend is, is fascinating how quickly these things are selling out because again, it's just a thermos, but it is pink. <laughs> and uh, also important, they partner with Starbucks. So this comes to us thanks to Amira and Collis at USA Today. They note that the new pink Starbucks 
X Stanley Cup is selling out fast, and they're saying, here's how you can buy yours, which I don't know if you're, in, perhaps you're inebriated and maybe you're drinking Bud Light, heaven forbid, but if you are, then perhaps you will want to buy one after listening to this article about how much people are buying and selling them for on third-party websites like electronicbay.com, or some people do call it eBay. Now, looks like it is a limited edition, which, again, never use that as a financial advice, especially. There's nothing more useless than a limited edition product. The only time those things ever go up in value is if you get like a one of 10 manufactured Lamborghini or something that the average person will never be able to afford. Because again, this isn't like a contract. They could literally just make more of these tomorrow. It means nothing. So again, a little disclaimer for anyone who like have their eyes light up when they hear the word limited edition, because an overwhelming majority of the time, the only thing that limits it, the only thing that really limits it is their amount of how they could sell. If they could make seven billion or eight billion of these tumblers and sell it to every human on the planet, they would. And they would still call it limited, hilariously enough. Now, again, this limited edition, 40 ounce, what they call it a quencher, was released nationwide Wednesday earlier this week in Starbucks stores and at Target locations as well. Which, again, given the demographics of who shops at Starbucks, who shops at Target especially, makes sense. It's mostly women. I'm trying to think of last year I stepped inside a Target. I mean, they had their satanic materials last year. Everything's more expensive. They, it's really hard to beat big box mart. They have most things you need in life. We had a more aggressive price point. Nevertheless, <coughs> now it looks like, let's see here. It looks like the car, Jesus Louise. Again, this is before sales tax. So you know, government always has to take a little bit more. Now it looks like the cup sold exclusively at Target retails for and ridiculously enough, there are people on eBay listing these for $200 for a cup. It looks like they also note that the number of cups available for purchase will likely be restricted to one or two per customer. They're still waiting for additional feedback. It looks like a Starbucks spokesperson shared that the cup will not be restocked and will be only available for sale, quote, while supplies last, which, again, if this is overwhelmingly successful, as it has been, I mean, there's no reason for them not to make it again. So let me know in the comments if you think they'll just pump out another couple million of these, or apparently how much they made. But it looks like... Yeah, so there are two other Stanley Tumblers, one in Target Red and Cosmo Pink that were reportedly released Sunday, and they're already out of stock as well. And now I'm just curious how much, if we buy it now, how many are on eBay right now? Let's see, Stanley is, oh, their auto check is pretty good. They don't, oh yeah. Uh, people are very proud of this Stanley Starbucks cup. Stanley Starbucks Tumblr. First results. Go on the electronicbay.com. What are these people? This person's got to be drinking Bud Light. Someone is trying to list it for $300 or best offer. If I had a momentous amount of time on my hands, perhaps I'd offer them a dollar for that. Because I suspect it's worth probably about, it might be worth about $2.85 in scrap metal and raw materials. So perhaps I can make a profit if I were to purchase it at a dollar price point. But no, so that's got $300 or best offer, $118 or best offer. 
That's ridiculous. Three hundred and twenty dollars. How high are it? So not, so that's one of them was just asking. So here's one of those fifty nine people or sorry, there's fifty nine bids on this Starbucks Stanley Tumbler. It's up to three hundred and twenty dollars. I, gentlemen, please check your credit card statements. This is going to get out of hand. Three hundred and twenty dollars. It's and the. I can't fathom this person's train of thought or logic. Granted, there's probably not much logic. They may be drinking Bud Light or they be inebriated. But $320, I can understand maybe someone paying 10 to 20% over list price, thinking they might be able to flip it for a profit. But at $320, I can't... And it says there's 50, only a couple minutes left. That... I can't... Yeah, I can't fathom. Like, they're not going to be able to gain more money out of it to resell it. So that means someone might really want it that much? Now, let me see here. Let's go to the sold items and completed. Someone paid $250? Oh, wait, it said or best offer, so we don't know the actual price. That's always the nuance with eBay, or some people call it the electronic bay. Because again, if it's or best offer, that could be, I think that means it was listed for 205, but you don't know if it actually sold for 205 or 250. Okay, so I'm scrolling down. I'm seeing some. I'm seeing a couple where people actually paid this amount of money for this product. This had 30 bids, and it got up to 255 dollars. And they had the audacity to charge for shipping on top of that, seven dollars and twenty cents for shipping. And don't forget the tax man. That's gonna well, Texas 8.25 percent as well. 255 dollars for a tumbler, and they paid it. 30 bids were placed on that item. As I scroll down to the other completed sales. Looks like we had one for $212.50 that had 13 bids and was sold. Another one was $179.99 or best offer was sold, but again, I'm not sure if that's the actual price point. A lot are being sold at or best offer. I'm trying to see which, how many are actually bid on. Here's another one that was sold with a bid. That was sold for $203.50. And that was with 19 bids placed on the item. Let me see here. And that was sold very quickly. That was within 48 hours. Another one sold for $215.50. That was a is late. That was for that's with 15 bids. I also can't help but notice the same person that's been making all these sales, which th this person is brilliant. If you if you were to get this at the entry level price point and you're flipping this for two, three, four, four, five times the original amount, I mean that's and that's not a bad ROI, to say the least. And especially when you're forcing them to pay shipping, too. So again, that sold for $215.50, and they charge $8.82 for shipping. And again, the tax man takes more as well. Uh, let's see, let's do one or two more completed sales. Another one sold after five bids for $202.50. Let's see here. Another one was for $190. Again, that was for a bidding war of seven bids. $205.50. Again, that sold after 21 bids were placed. Another one sold for $191.50. That was after 17 bids were placed. $213.50 after 23 bids were placed. And again, I understand people buy weird things. Truth be told, I mean, you look at, if you're watching the show, I got a vintage blockbuster sign behind me, which, I mean, very few people would actually want that in their house, partially because of the impracticality, but also because of the size, the cost. I mean, I understand people buying weird things, but. And this is exactly the same, just pink. And 
I'm guessing it has a little bit of a Starbucks logo on it. Let me pull it up really quick. But yeah, these are consistently, these have been consistently sold for around 200. I think the top one that we saw that wasn't a or best offer was around $250. I see another one that was sold for $217.50 plus $12.45 for shipping. I mean, geez Louise, at least give these suckers, I mean, free shipping. Come on. All right, so if I go to their sold, let me see, pull up their picture really quick. So it says the word Starbucks. But I don't even think, does it not even show the little mermaid thingamajig? Is it really that plain? I mean, their graphic design, I mean, I don't know if they're paying their graphic designers by the hour, but that's even better ROI. All they did was, there's just, <laughs> literally just the stenciled out words. Well, I guess they do have the Stanley logo. So again, knocked out of the park for Stanley. They did perfect in this regard. But the Starbucks logo is just, it's just plus Starbucks. This is a plus sign. And the Starbucks, I guess the font may be trademarked or I guess, oh, it's, yeah, it's a registered. It's the font of Starbucks that the logo, but it's not like the actual face mascot logo. That was for $250. Jeez Louise. So yeah, if you could find one for this price, it, I mean, not giving financial advice, I'm just saying, if I could find one at this price, shoot, even I might start selling these things. Jeez, Louise is more profitable than IT or hey, pharmaceuticals. So it looks like, another, we'll do one more. So this one sold after 16 bids. This sold for $242.50 plus $12.45 for shipping. All that plus shipping. And it looks like, I wonder if you'll give me an actual number on how many were sold. So I scrolled through all those. That can't be right, could it? Now, it claims there are 3,300 results for Stanley Starbucks Tumblr. Now, truth be told, time is a limiting factor in life. No way. So, I just jumped from page one to page five. And again, it looks like the search results are accurate. It's showing me, again, they're different pictures, but it's the same object. It's the same pink Stanley cup. And... That's astonishing. It really might be 3,000 of these were sold. Because again, I went from page 1 to page 5 to page 8 to page 12. And it's still showing me results for sold pink Stanley Starbucks cups. So, in terms of marketing, it's a cultural phenomenon. And this is also one of the reasons why I suspect TikTok will never be banned. Because one of the reasons this went viral, as you might say, was some gal found it at the store. And they did some promos. They saw it on the interwebs. And it was just wildly successful. I believe in 2023, they also had an article go viral where someone was in a car wreck, the whole car burst into flames, but the Stanley Tumblr, they still had some ice in there apparently. So two factors aggregated with social media. I mean, there's such an overwhelming upside to social media. I don't think it'll ever be banned. I'm just, I don't know how much regulations there'll be. Because again, if you're a business, Stanley they're partially exceeding in this marketing campaign, the sale campaign because of TikTok. It went viral, everyone is watching it, Every, it's getting the word out. It's so much more effective than a traditional, what you would think would be a traditional marketing where you just put a picture in the local newspaper, which again, perhaps I'm aging myself. The newspaper is like the internet, but on paper in a way, without a comment section. Well, I guess, no, they did editorials. So yeah, kind of like the internet on paper. It's a fascinating thing. Perhaps we'll have to do a documentary sometime on what newspapers were, but nevertheless, 
this company has a huge overwhelming benefit from social media. So that's why I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, pretty skeptical that there'll really be any heavy regulation in that regard. And let me know in the comments, do you, do you would you ever wanna buy a pink Stanley thermos for, what were the prices there? From 200 to $300? I mean, even at, again, what was the original MSRP? Was it 45? I think it was right under 50, 49.95. So with, what was it? So the actual price, if you can find it at the store, is 49.95 at Target exclusively. So again, good marketing Target locked this in with the exclusivity contract. So you have to go to that one store if you really want this product. So again, that's good marketing. You need the foot traffic to get in those stores. It's one of the most difficult things of retail is giving people a compelling reason to go to your store. But remember, it's $49.95. But you gotta pay sales tax on that. So let's average that out. Yeah, so it's about another five bucks maybe. So about $55 for a cup. And I, I even if it came with a year of Starbucks coffee for free, I mean, I can't fathom getting that. Like by now, I feel like everyone has a, well, especially perhaps a little bias in being an IT point in case. It's all those things where I feel like, darn near everyone who has a Yeti already, or everyone who wants one already has one. But again, I'm, I'm fascinated. There's people still going out and buying these things in droves. They're, I mean, these, they're tearing these stores apart. It's like a hurricane in there. Hurricane, pun moderately intended. So let me know, would you ever pay the list price for this product? So would you pay $55? for this little tumbler. And then if you couldn't find it in the store, would you be willing to pay 200, $250, for this glorified tumbler? Again, in terms of cultural phenomenon, it's crazy how things, it's a little, maybe a use case in one of my favorite books called Freakonomics, where they talk about how some businesses just have a product or service that just explodes in popularity at certain specific points. But let me know, excuse me, in the comments, Again, it'll be fascinating here. Have you seen this in your experience? And as always, it'll be fascinating here. What do you have to say? Other interesting cultural news: You have Disney losing their top movie spot for the first time since 2015 as Universal takes the throne. Now, this comes to us thanks to Variety, and it looks like it's individually written by Rebecca Rubin. They note that Universal Studios overtakes Disney as the highest-grossing studio at 2023 box office uh that is thanks in part to, to mario which again was a multi they made over a billion dollars off that animated film brilliant marketing the voice actors were exceptional the moral story was also interesting the moral story is you need private military contractors or pmcs to save a country because the princess was not proven enough to build up her own army ridiculous obviously and they also had oppenheimer as well as looks like they also had megan but they spelled it with a three Grammar error aside, it looks like those were some of the biggest movies. Now it looks like the company Slate, they actually had 24 films. And between Super Mario, Oppenheimer, and Megan with a 3 and 7E, they collected 4.907 billion in worldwide ticket sales. They also know that this is the first time since 2016, sorry, 15, Disney is not the global box office leader. Now, looks like Disney went down to second place in terms of market share as their 17 films were not great. But wait, they made, well, they did make revenue. They lost like, I believe one or $2 billion in terms of the films. Now it looks like, in terms of Disney's box office for their top films that came out, looks like Guardians of the Galaxy, which 
is really only good, I would argue, because of Chris... What is, what is that? Not Chris Pine. Is that Chris... Not Chris Hemsworth. Chris... Yeah, this guy from uh, the parks. Truth be told, it's probably one of the only legitimate people in Hollywood I wouldn't mind having a drink with. Chris... Now it's Chris Pratt. Yeah, it eluded me there for, there for a second, which perhaps also shows you how much I know about traditional cinema. Granted, truth be told, I think the best films were made, usually in black and white. But nevertheless, they had Guardians of the Galaxy, Indiana Jones, and The Dial of Destiny, and The Little Mermaid, and it looks like all those are the top. Now, all collectively, for all of them, they raked in $4.827 billion globally. So, eh, just a skosh behind Universal Studios. But again, Disney used to print money for a living, basically. And now they're precipitously falling with more and more ineptitudes. And they also note that this studio partially attributed... So, so Disney is using the excuse of they released seven fewer movies... Than Universal did in 2023. That's why there's an $80 million delta. Well, a wise philosopher once said, doesn't matter if you win by an inch or, or a mile. Winning's winning. Kudos if you actually know the reference I'm pointing out to you. Let me know in the comments if you'd be the first one to let me know if you know where that's really from. Now, looks like they also know that, but for the first time in a long time, Disney didn't have one of the, one of the top three movies. The top three movies were Warner Brothers, who they produced Barbie, which came in at $1.4 billion despite it being morally and mentally vacuous. They also had Universal's Super Mario's, that was $1.3 billion, and Oppenheimer came in at $950 million. Now, they also noticed the first time since 2014, except the pandemic-stricken 2020-2021, that none of Disney movies crossed the billion-dollar benchmark, which... Again, it looks like Guardians of the Galaxy 3 got cl relatively close at $845 million box office. But they also had a myriad of a lot of movies that all just crashed and burned ridiculously. And from a cultural perspective, it is fascinating. What used to be, when I was a kid, one of the most beloved Ameri pieces of Americana. I mean, a staple of Americana used to be Disney. They used to have, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> they used to have the business model of going after 100% market share, or darn near. And they make materials that appeal to everyone. They didn't try to alienate people. They didn't put any politics into things. It was just these foreign words that fewer and fewer people know about. They're called morals and values, which, yeah, unfortunately, lesser and lesser people know about those types of terms and things. And Disney has created their own competition. Now you have other, you have Angel Studios, which is doing good. You have the Daily Wire, which launched their Bent Key Venture, which is their children programming. You have the Tuttle Twins. There are a lot of companies that are springing up in popularity and eating their lunch, so to say. Or perhaps a more eloquent, well, not eloquent, but a more amusing reference might be eating their, what did Disney do? Lion steaks? Something like that. But, I mean, Disney's just fallen so far. They also have a proxy war in terms of trying to get more people on board directors. We have activist investors on both sides as it's tumbled into a political issue. You have people on the left and the right fighting for power, people in the middle. There a lot of conflicting interests and ideas and ideals over at Disney. And I'll be interested to see, can anyone really save the company at this point? Again, Bob Iger claimed you want to get out of Disney. He's currently the CEO. He was previously one of the most successful CEOs. He helped build the company. He did have some great acquisitions. He helped make sure they got Lucasfilms as well as Marvel, which again, printed money for a while until for a myriad of reasons, both political and quality over quantity, they didn't do that. They did quantity over 
probably. So there are myriad reasons why they're failing. Now, the issue is he's also built, the employees have very much one-sided political mind from the culture set. They've alienated all the other ones that quit and fired the rest. So even if Bob Iger really truly believes, oh yeah, I want to get this company to being apolitical. We're not going to talk about Florida laws. We're not going to talk about anything. We're not going to insert sexual themes into children's things. Even if he said that, which again, he says he wants to get out of politics, you have the whole culture of Disney. And the culture of Disney has shifted radically. And you have all those employees. So realistically, I can't, unless they have a Rolodex of all the previous employees and they subsequently fire the activist employees and hire the old ones back, I don't know if it's really possible at this point to turn it around. Don't get me, don't get me wrong, they're still a multi-billion dollar business because again, they still have their theme parks, they have the toys that they sell. Again, they're not going out of business overnight, don't get me wrong. Due to the massive volume of things that they have in their portfolio, I suspect, as well as you do have a you do have a growing part of the cultural part in the United States in terms of some people might call this leftism or being a leftist. You have people who do want sexual themes in children's materials. I would think that's morally vacuous to say the least. But there are more of the more of those people and Disney's appealing towards them. Now, granted, with the current sales figures we're talking about, and then we've covered we've covered Disney for almost a year now. I mean, the sales figures are not in their favor at this point. But if the demographic democratic uh, demographic, sorry, rather, again, I'm not a doctor, but if you click the subscribe button, it may help with my speaking ineptitudes. It's not 100% guaranteed. Very few things in life are, but can't help. But if the demographics continue to change in favor of Disney, it or the next couple of decades, it could be more profitable. But in the short term, they are hurting. And again, they're creating the competition and fueling, quite literally fueling the competition and driving people in to, towards them quickly and in droves. So let me know in the comments, are you surprised that Disney lost that title for being a box office knockout? Again, it's still number two. And then do you think in 2024, are things gonna get better for Disney? Or are they gonna lose more money on films and lose more market share? Well, as I always say, time shall tell, but of course, I'd be fascinated to hear what you have to say. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek roasting the Washington Post for asking, quote, the stupidest question, getting seven, sorry, four million views on X in the first seven hours. Now, it looks like the post that got the most responses specifically came from Colin Rugg. He actually retweeted this for Vivek. Or, sorry, rather in terms of retweeting, it looks like he posted the video, which originally came from Chris Caparza. And these are getting between 5.7, and what did Vivek get in here? Let's see. Uh, yeah, so it did get, on Vivek got about four, on Colin it got 5.8 million views and 64,000 likes. Let me look at timestamp for the, when I wrote down the statistics. That is within the first 12 hours. So that's, as a youth might say, that went viral to say the least. Now, in terms of the original post from Vivek, so Vivek, before this video from Chris Caparza, with, in the video is uh, Vivek speaking, Vivek says, quote, this is the stupidest question I've gotten for, yet from the media, and that says a lot, unquote. And it looks like it's only about a minute 38 long, so I'll go ahead and play that really quick. 
I'm not, I'm not going to recite some catechism for you. I'm against vicious racial discrimination in this country. So I'm not pledging allegiance to your new religion of modern wokeism, which absolutely fits, fits the test. I'm not going to bend the knee to your religion. I'm sorry. I'm not asking you to bend the knee to mine, and I'm not going to bend the knee to yours. But do I condemn vicious racial discrimination? Yes, I do. Am I going to play your silly game of gotcha? No, I'm not. And frankly, this is why people have lost trust. And I know you're going to go print the headline tomorrow. I already know this. We already know how your game works. Vivek Ramaswamy refuses to condemn white supremacy because you asked a stupid question. The reality is I condemn vicious racial discrimination in this country, but the kind of vicious and systematic racial discrimination we see today is discrimination on the basis of race in a very different direction. You want to know what the best way is to end discrimination on the basis of race? Stop discriminating on the basis of race. Do that and we're going to move this country forward. And I don't care whether you're black or white or brown or anything in between. That's how we're going to unite this country. You people have been responsible for dividing this country to a breaking point, creating a projection of national division. I meet people from the south side of Chicago to meetings like this one of every shade of melanin, multiple from man to woman, doesn't make a difference, who are hungry for reviving unity in this country. And you with your catechism that you try to get to politicians to whatever fake headline you're going to print on the basis of this conversation tomorrow, that's what's dividing this country for a break, to a breaking point. Shame on you. Look people in the eye and tell them what you've actually failed to tell them for the last five years. Own the accountability for your own failures as the media. That's how we rebuild trust in this country. And until then, I don't have a lot of patience to play the games. As youth might say, roasted, to say the least. That looks like on Vivek's personal page, that got 3.1 million views and 2.7 thousand responses and 74,000 likes. On Colin Gray's page, which went a little bit more viral, he says before the video, so Colin Rugg says, quote, New, Vivek Ramaswamy absolutely obliterates woke reporter who tries to ask him a gotcha question about condemning white supremacy. Amazing fire emoji four times. And in terms of the comments, there's 1.4 thousand and 64,000 likes. So in terms of the comments, we'll do a couple from each. So we'll do a couple from the Colin Rugg, then we'll look at the original thread from Vivek. So the first comment on Colin Rugg's post comes from Kevin Nelson. He says, quote, I bet they don't air that statement on the 6 o'clock news, unquote. They got 2.3 thousand likes. And Colin responded saying, quote, or Colin said, quote, Vivek, the destroyer of woke reporters' careers, unquote, getting 3.2 thousand likes. We also have a top comment from Paul Supuza saying, quote, Vivek is too smart for these MSM hacks who are used to dealing with regular members of Congress. It's child play for him. It's painful to watch how easily Vivek destroys a reporter. And by painful, I mean awesome, unquote. They got 1.5 thousand likes. Babel365 says, quote, Trump should seriously consider Vivek as a VP candidate, unquote, getting 1,000 likes. Marcus Pright says, quote, this is the guy who needs to be the Republican nominee. What a breath of fresh air. It would be an electoral landslide, unquote, getting 370 likes. Let's see here. Right Angle News Network, which A-plus for marketing, their logo is actually, in fact, a right angle. That's accurate. I like that. They claim, quote, or they say, quote, Vivek is the man. He always speaks so eloquently and gets his points across in the best ways possible. We need more people of this brutal honesty in politics instead of just telling people what they want to hear. Follow me if you agree. I got 383 likes. Todd Peterson chimed in and he said, quote, you want to, oh, he did a quote. So he did Vivek's quote and him and his own statement. So I'll read both. So the quote that Todd Pearson said from Vivek, said, quote, you want to know the best way to, the best way is to end discrimination on the basis of race. Stop discriminating on the basis of race, unquote. Todd Pearson added saying, quote, 
Imagine being on the left and this phrase bothering you. We live in unreal times, unquote. That got 884 likes. See here. It's like slow, overwhelming, positive responses. Game between 12, eh, game between 50 and 150 likes. So we'll do one, well, let's see here. Do one more top. So this is another top one. It comes from Larry. He says, quote, he's always quick on his feet, but you know they won't show it because it will not give them the reaction they hope for, unquote. They got 62 likes. Now, going over to Vivek's original post on his timeline, pull up the comment section really quick. And he did pin this, so it's one of the top things he wants us to see. So going, and again, that got 74,000 likes. The first comment comes from the rabbit hole, which is a picture of a cartoon rabbit. And they have a comic strip as well as a text. So the text says, quote, DI is inconsistent with the type of race essentialism it celebrates. It looks like it is a six-celled comic. And the comic has Delman saying, I'm probably black, and everyone gives him accolades. The other one is, I'm probably Asian, and the whole group, the audience in the comic strip gives him accolades and claps. Another one says, I'm proud to be Hispanic, gets accolades. And the fourth comic is, I'm proud to be white. And they all give him strange looks and looks of horror. And he changes his phrase. So he said, I'm proud to be white. And then he goes, dot, dot, dot. And then everyone freaks out in the reaction. Then he goes, white people hater. And they all give him accolades and they clap. And I got 554 likes. Let's see here. Again, Vivek is brilliant when it comes to social media. During the last presidential uh, Republican nominee debate, he held up the notepad that said Nikki Haley equals corrupt because he knew everyone was going to turn into a meme. He held that there for a couple seconds perfectly. So this next response comes from someone who photoshopped it. And he text says, Vivek showing candidates what they're missing. And it's a picture of a skeleton spine. And Vivek's eyes have been turned into lasers. Which is kind of neat. That got 616 likes. Robert Cyphers, <coughs> excuse me, simply says that was well played. Hashtag Vivek Ramaswamy getting 435 likes. Let's see here. Mindy Robinson says, quote, because nothing fights racism more than more racism, unquote, the left. She got 289 likes. Vince Langman says, quote, brilliant answer. You're my choice to be President Trump's VP, unquote. I got 278 likes. And again, that is a consistent comment that we keep seeing because, again, he's been very positive in terms of overall his commentary about Trump. He's used, excuse me, used a couple of similar marketing techniques. I think there's a lot of complementary characters between the two, in the both the entrepreneurial backgrounds. I think there's a good, there's a case to be made for having him be VP. And a lot of people are mentioning that more and more. And again, Vivek is not, he doesn't have the numbers to get the nominee at this time. The poll aggregator, <laughs> excuse me, sorry. The poll aggregator consistently has him between like 4.3 and 5% in the, in the, for the Republican nominee. It's, so he doesn't have the numbers currently, but a lot of people are liking what he's saying and he's, as youth might say, going viral. So that, it'd be interesting to see what happens at the end of the day. Now we do have some contrarian statements. Someone by the name of Ruben Michaels, he chimes in saying, obnoxious blowhard and it's just a picture of Vivek he's just turned to the side and they just added the text obnoxious blowhard that could get 23 likes so it wasn't 
It didn't go viral as a youth might say, but it's one of a few contrarian comments that got more than zero likes. Let's see here. News Nomads chimed in saying, quote, can they look you in you you with both open eyes and actually ask that question, unquote, getting 28 likes. A lot of people mentioning, you know, that, like, mentioning Vivek's uh, Indian heritage or ethnicity and saying they still ask this even though he's, you know, of his background, but because he's Republican, it's evil. Which is a cliche as old as time. Even when I was a kid, everyone always said Republicans are racist. That was just a cliche marketing. Not accurate, but in terms of marketing, it was effective. Because again, that thing, that that perception is stuck with a lot of people. Someone by the name of Malcolm Flex says, "Quote: It's always a consistent test and trap because if you're ever if you ever defend it, they will try to make it sound like your lack of condemnation or lack of a strong commendation for that hour means you're accepting or defending it." Unquote. I got 74 likes. Todd McElroy says, quote, you speak from the heart, hashtag Vivek. I admire that. I don't always agree with you, but I have a logical approach and you respect diversity in thought. Sorry about the word. I believe you have swayed me. You are what we need today, unquote. I got 51 likes. Do a couple more here. Code of Vets simply said, thank you. Brilliant response, unquote, getting 39 likes. Final Cut MI says, quote, absolutely destroyed in their spin, unquote, getting 34 likes. Snow Crash said, quote, this is what leadership looks like, unquote, getting 50 likes. And let's see here. Rick Hinshaw said, quote, you turned her into a smoking hole in the ground. Perfectly executed. More of this, please. Saluting emoji and American flag emoji got 102 likes and I'm trying to see if there's more contrarian statements or negative statements, but I'm not seeing a lot. This very well might be one of the most the best ratios he's had in terms of feedback to the original post. I say that and then I keep scrolling down. I found someone by the name of Ruben Michaels, and he says, "Get over yourself, Ramaswamy," and. There's a picture of the Nazi flag juxtaposed to the picture of the Trump flag at some type of, like a pop-up convenience store. I mean, I have an old trailer. Which, again, I'm pretty sure Germany wasn't really that great with India, but logic be damned. Never mind, this person's making that accusation. I got 16 likes. And we do have the consistent contrarian Luke Zaliski, who we've covered. He's a He comments very frequently on Vivek's post. If you look at Luke's profile, he's very much... Some people call him a leftist or, you know, left-sided party. And Luke says, quote, We're going to be gaslit into a dictatorship. It's time to recalibrate the presumption that the Republican Party hasn't seriously been compromised. They've been working exclusively for Trump and in ways that are counter to U.S. interests and their own that just can't be explained. Hypocrisy is hilarious. That got 35 likes, though. So there are some people in which that resonated with. They may be morally, mentally vacuous, but unfortunately, I don't know if there's a way to actually, I don't see a way in which you can see a list of everyone who liked it, where we can check out their profiles, like when we're covering Bud Light, and you see someone say something nice, you go, is this a person? You go to the profile, and all they do is repost for free stuff. So they just want free stuff, they don't really care about Bud Light. Now, in terms of the comments to this particular statement, again, that was Luke Zaliski. First comment that got most likes is from RLH, and he said, quote, 
You just blather some over generalized word salad with zero evidence. I have to keep saying it. You absolutely suck at this, unquote. That got seven likes. Brooklyn also chimed in saying, quote, that can't even be explained. So why even start your bullcrap narrative, unquote, getting three likes? And let's see. Mr. Ducks replied, well, I don't want to say F minus for marketing, but it's a picture of a gentleman just sitting at a park, but there's no ducks. So this alleged Mr. Ducks says, quote, <coughs> excuse me, and I'm going to alter this so it's more family appropriate. He says, quote, I've never seen you denounce hurting children or hurting the liking of children, unquote. And I'm trying to try to keep this moderately family friendly or just not too crass. Let me know if you prefer. I just read all the harsh things. But again, depending on the YouTube algorithm, that means not as many people might see it. So let me know if you have a preference. I would appreciate that. Now that excuse me, that particular response got one like. Let me see here. And we'll do one more. Donnelly responded again to Luke saying, quote, Poor Luke wants to play, but he's really bad at it. Do you take lessons from Kamala on word salads? Unquote. I got three likes. So interestingly enough, this gentleman, as youth might say, was ratioed to say the least. And yet 35 people, I believe that's 35 that I said earlier. Yeah, 35 people did like the comment. So again, it's not 100%, but it, this is perhaps, this is probably one of the most popular things Vivek has done. And we've been covering him for about maybe nine months now. And it'd be interesting to see, again, this is just one area of social media. It's fascinating to see the discrepancies between the different platforms. Earlier this week, we covered how on social media, everyone was lambasting Claudine Gay, the former president of Harvard, for being anti-Semitic and actually plagiarizing the majority of her work. And a lot of people are saying she was hired just based on her race. She was being the first African-American president, and I think, of Harvard. Now the first president had the least amount of tenure. And everyone was really negative in that regard on um, X or Twitter. Then I go to social media in terms of I go to LinkedIn and there are some people, and again, you know their politics because we checked out the profiles. There's some people saying they wish they can give her a hug for the woman who cheated and had anti-Semitic policies in terms of their speeching on the campus. And yet there are a lot of people who agreed with the statements on LinkedIn saying we should just give her a hug or why are we even criticizing her? So it is fascinating to see the discrepancies between the platforms. But I mean, the real question is, we're seeing some great traction on social media regard to Vivek, but I mean, when is it going to translate to the polls? That'll really be when the rubber hits the ground. And as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting political news, the U.S. debt has now passed $34 trillion for the first time. That's <coughs> quite concerning to say the least. That is ridiculous, mentally vacuous, many people would also argue. And it is a bipartisan issue with both Republicans and Democrats spending more money than they could ever possibly comprehend. But I can't help but think at the end of the day, we might just have to sell off Puerto Rico. I, I don't know. That's moderately a joke. They're a province, not a state. But at the end of the day, what are we going to do when these bills start adding up and we can barely pay the interest on it? Well, going to the actual numbers, it looks like, again, the national debt passed $34 trillion. This is according to the U.S. Treasury Department. And it looks like it only just passed $35 trillion in September amid higher interest rates, lower tax revenue, and increased spending since the start of the pandemic. While some analysts note that the rising debt is tempered by the strong economic growth, the number of the number raises concerns as funding shutdowns loom in Congress. Nothing would make me happier if they were just stop spending money. 
It is hilarious. It's a good way to tell, wow, how useless, what, what do they really do for us? There's the federal government. It's, every time there's a shutdown, does your day change at all? You don't get one piece of mail, which again, that is only an issue because of an exclusivity issue where UPS, FedEx, they're not allowed to deliver certain pieces of mail. Only the post office can do that. If that rule didn't exist, there is an argument to me that the post office would not exist at all. The only benefit I could see is that they are able to deliver to rural areas at a price point that I think they are actually losing money on because they have to go out of their way and some private businesses wouldn't do it. Although I would also argue with growth rates of population and some parts of business being lost leaders, I actually think some businesses would still service those areas. But nevertheless, that is some modicum that people say is a point of value. But in all this debt, I mean, scrolling through, when I mean, you look at the graph, and it's just out of control. I mean, again, that's an additional trillion dollars of debt in 14 weeks. What are they, what are they spending to really help you? Or I, for that matter. They are certainly helping other countries a lot. I mean, over $100 billion to fund Ukraine. That money is actually supporting small businesses in the Ukraine, pensions for the politicians of Ukraine, with basically no oversight. And I didn't read a history book. I, no, I actually do like reading history books. Public schools don't like teaching history. But in terms of U.S. allies and countries that really help us out, I'm not sure how what argument you could be made for that being a strategic partner. In terms of global commerce and business, they do support that. They're one of the largest manufacturers of fertilizer, for example. They do make parts for Porsche. So they do have, I'm not saying the country's useless, but in terms of the U.S. involvement, that is a huge fiscal involvement. And obviously, the U.S. is getting involved militarily as well, both giving them arms as well as more and more support. And let me know in the comments. I mean, there's just so much economic uncertainty, and everyone's wondering, I mean, Government makes less and less money. They're taxing us more and more and more. The rates of our tax, it's getting ridiculous. I mean, people don't even get to keep the majority of paycheck anymore. The federal government steals 40%. Your state might steal another 10%. If you want to buy something that's another 10% with sales taxes, then you have property tax, gas tax, alcohol tax, liquor tax, tax tax, parking taxes. It's just ridiculous. So Americans' paychecks are being spread further and further. They're just struggling to get by. And the government just keeps spending more and more money. And again, this is a bipartisan, bar, sorry. Again, I'm not a doctor. However, if you click the subscribe button, it might help with my speaking ineptitudes. I have a theory. See, when I first started the show, I only had a couple of subscribers and I would stumble over my words and truth be told is a lot worse than how I'm speaking today. However, the more subscribers that have joined the show and support the channel, truth be told, speaking has improved. You could argue the amount of improvement there has been a modicum of improvement to say the least. So just another reminder, if you do me a favor and click that subscribe button, it would greatly be appreciated. May also very well help with my speaking ineptitudes. Time, of course, shall tell. Now again, getting back to the US debt, at what point do people just say, enough is enough, I'm gonna vote different. I'm, I was about to say vote differently, but both sides of the political aisle do this. And truth be told, I wish there were more representation, more options for people like the Libertarian Party. But I can't help but think, What's going to happen when these bills come up to do? They're going to come up due. Because they're going to get to the point where it just isn't sustainable. So it'll be interesting to see if and when the government ever cuts back on their spending and how could that help bolster the economy? How, I mean, imagine how much better the economy would be 
if you got to keep 20 to what, what if you got to keep 40 percent of your paycheck every week you had 40 percent more dollars going in your pocket for you and your family i mean how much would that transform your life i mean that'd be revolutionary and again this isn't a crazy idea for the longest time the majority of the time us didn't charge these things i mean truth be told the income tax that's a voluntary thing for world war ii people like they actually said you know if you want to help your country we're coming you know hard times for paying to fight the world or help defend the world. And some Americans said, okay, I'll, I'll volunteer. I'll give you some of my paycheck. Then more into the World War II, they go, all right, we're going to have this new tax or the federal income tax, but we promise it'll go away after the war. And like every tax since the dawn of time, it seems, the temporary tax became permanent and it just kept increasing more and more and more and more. And they also print more money to help exacerbate the problem of hyperinflation. So it'll be really interesting to see, but I know some people just don't care about it, but it is a big issue and it's going to hurt a lot of folks, both everyone from small businesses to fortune 500 client companies to mom and pop shops and even just individuals trying to make it through their life. So let me know, do you think this is going to cause people to maybe vote third party or vote right to their congressman and be like, Hey, this is a problem. You need to actually do your job, do something. Or, and then are you scared of a government shutdown? Has your life ever been affected? It's one of those things where they always pass the bare minimum. So especially in the United States, our country is, I would argue, the best in terms of supporting the veterans with opportunities, not the best healthcare, thanks to the ineptitudes of, I would argue, government operating it, unfortunately. But there's an unparalleled respect for the veterans. So in terms of what's covered when the government is quote unquote shut down, there are certain things that both sides look allow come together and say, hey, we're not gonna mess with, for example, veteran benefits for income, retirement. Um, I forget the term for the special pension that they have, but there's certain benefits where they ensure that even if the government shut down, that gets paid. But I mean, besides that hot, that is, I'm taking it wrong, that's an important thing we need to ensure we fund. Aside from that, how much would your life really be changed if during these government shutdowns? Truth be told, anecdotally speaking, most people I know, they didn't even notice. Does it affect that one iota? So let me know in the comments. Again, I would always be fascinated to hear what you have to say. And I do appreciate the comments and apologies if it does take me a day or two to get to them. But I always do do my best to try to respond to all of them in due time. Now going over to the business blunder of the day, you have Apple to sell an iTunes gift card scam. Apparently they're making as much as 30%. Now one of the biggest scams in life, well, I, you could also argue a scam in and of itself, is getting a gift of someone giving you an iTunes gift card. Perhaps it's not a scam, it's just a really crappy gift. I can't help but think of a more useless thing these days, giving someone an iTunes gift card. In terms of cybersecurity and IT and phishing campaigns, there are still way too many people who click the button and says, yes, I want free iTunes gift cards, or someone will be, their company will get hacked, and they'll pretend to be someone, they'll pretend to be the CEO, they'll go to the CFO, they'll send an email going, hey, I need you know, $10,000 in iTunes gift cards. Which again, I can't think of anyone who would rationally purchase an iTunes gift card to begin with. It's unbelievable to say the least. One, I would argue an, a an Amazon gift card, that makes sense. That's a that's something people would use. But iTunes gift card, I mean, come on. It's a cliche as old as time. Now apparently, I, I almost suspect why hasn't this been fixed sooner? Apple's profiting from this. So this comes to us, again, thanks to Reuters from Jonathan Stemple. And the headline goes, Apple agrees to settle a lawsuit over iTunes gift card scam. Now, they note that they've agreed to sell 
the lawsuit, which was accusing the company of knowingly letting scammers exploit the gift cards and keep stolen funds for itself. Now, it looks like according to the filing earlier this week in federal court, in San, or sorry, federal court in San Jose, California, Apple and plaintiffs have agreed to a material settled terms after working uh, with a uh, moderate, uh, mediator. They also note that they are drafting a formal settlement to be presented to the U.S. District Judge Edward Davila for preliminary approval. Now, granted, I don't suspect this. There's not really any much reason for this not to be approved if both sides come to the table and come to an agreement. So I suspect it'll be approved pretty easy to stamp that out. Now, in terms of the intricacies of the scam, they note that the scam involves fraudsters who instill panic or urgency by insisting by phone that victims buy Apple App Store and iTunes gift cards or Apple Store gift cards in order to pay for taxes, hospital bills, and utility bills, bail, and debt collection. Victims are then told to share the codes on the back of the gift cards, despite a warning on the cards that reads, do not share your codes or your code with anyone you do not know, unquote. So it's kind of, not hilarious, a little bit sad, how far intellect has gone down in the United States throughout the, the years. And again, I understand if you're elderly or I understand everyone can be tricked on a bad day, but there used to be one of my favorite memes on the Facebook is there used to be like instructions on how to change your valve timing in your car. And now your car gives you a warning saying, do not drink the battery acid, which that's pretty sad how far the bar has been lowered. Now it looks like according to the complaint, Apple would typically deposit only 70% of the stolen funds into the fundraiser's bank accounts and keep 30% 30% for itself as a quote-unquote commission for knowingly converting stolen codes into dollars. Now, you note that victims likely lost hundreds of millions of dollars in the scam. The lawsuit covered anyone in the United States who, from 2015 to July 2020, bought gift cards <coughs> redeemable on Apple's or the App Store, provided codes to fraudsters, and did not receive funds from Apple. Now, they noted that in 2022, DeVilla rejected Apple's bid to dismiss the lawsuit. He said that the plaintiffs sufficiently alleged that the Cupertino, California-based company's effort to disclaim liability even after the victims claimed they were scammed were unconscionable. Now, it looks like the case is specifically called Apple, or sorry, Bart, Bartlett, E-T-A-L, the Apple Inc., E-T-A-L, U.S. District Court, New Northern District of California, number 20-04812. Not the best marketing in terms of the docket number, but I understand the value of a numerical ordering process in the government systems. And I think the part that jumped out at me the most was 30% commission? That is unprecedentedly high, especially for that type of transaction. Now, in terms of business blunder, I mean, this has been a joke for years, the iTunes gift card scam. And the fact that Apple had actually been profiting off of that, I don't think a lot of people knew. And again, Apple's brand and the reputation, historically, has been around, you know, protecting your privacy, cybersecurity. They famously denied the government's ask to actually break into an iPhone. And Apple told them, you know, for security concerns, we can't just give you one magical key. Because again, as soon as we find it or create it, everyone else in the world will be able to do the same thing. It'd be detrimental to our whole, <coughs> excuse me, to our whole business. So for consumers, a big part of the brand identity of Apple is protecting their data, being secure, and making, you know, very fast, fancy, expensive products. And to have an instance where it looks like they actually profited from the scam, and some people are arguing maybe enable it. I mean, for the brand alone, that that as well as the fiscal damage to this, which again, Apple is the most profitable company in the planet. Fiscally speaking, this isn't going to debt them a, a bit. 
but still the damage to their brand that is certainly the business blunder of the day thank you everyone again for taking the time to tune in today again i'm trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of january so if you click that button i'd greatly appreciate it also leaving a comment is a great way to give me some additional feedback and how i can make the show better and better and better also lastly don't forget to take the time to tell your family tell your friends tell your coworkers. heck tell your enemies tell anyone and everyone just stay safe and fight the good fight